brought to you by Coco 5. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Five o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show. Thanks for hanging out with us. We've had uh, an interesting day here on Burns and Gambo. Lots of technical issues, but we're glad you stuck with us through it all, and we certainly do appreciate that. Uh, Suns, Hawks tonight, 8 o'clock. A little bit of a late tip time from Footprint Center with the national TV audience. And then for the Suns, tomorrow officially marks one week until the trade deadline in the NBA. Now, I know during some of my technical difficulties, we had James Jones on the show. You had a conversation with James Jones. We'll uh, replay portions of that a little later on this hour to get an idea of what he had to say about the deadline. I know the big takeaway was, again, the continued expectation that Jay Crowder is going to get traded one week from tomorrow. I know that. Um, but OG Ananobi, that's the name, Gambo. That's the name yeah. that mm-hmm. that we're talking about this deadline. And, and you know, I, I understand James probably wasn't able to talk about OG Ananobi, but I know the fans are, and I know the media are talking about him. And that is the name that has risen to the top when it comes to seemingly every conversation about the Suns and what they're going to do a week from tomorrow. Uh, there's no question. You know, I mean, we could ask James about, like, what you know, is Jay going to get traded? And he said, yes. It's like I expect that that's the, that's the expectation, that Jay's going to finally just going to come to a conclusion. And you could ask him what position positions he's looking for, what kind of strength if he's looking for a trade and uh, things like that. But he cannot comment on players that are under contract with another team. It's forbidden. You can't do that. Um, so obviously you can't ask him about an OG and an OB or Bogdanovich or anybody else. Um, I don't. I, I From what I've heard around the league talking to, and you, you know some of the people I talk to, I talk to different teams around the league, there is a feeling that if Toronto is going to move off of a player it's, 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 they're going to trade Gary Trent Jr. or and a OG Ananobi. They're not going to trade Siakam. That's not a guy they're going to trade. I don't know that they're going to trade Van Vliet either. But I do think that OG Ananobi, because of the injury history, remember, he's got a long injury history, right? He's missed a lot of games for a kid that's only 25 years old. He's got a long list of injuries, a couple of bone injuries too. So that scares you off. And then well, he is under contract next year. He has the ability to opt out, and then you, somebody's going to have to pay him. And, you know, guys that like that are going to get paid a lot of money. So I think that's something that, listen, the one thing I've learned in the NBA, covering the NBA for a long time, is that when somebody's getting off of somebody 25, 26, 27 years old and only has got a year left on their contract, the majority of the times they're getting off of that guy because they don't want to have to pay him when his contract comes up. Yep. OG right now at 16, 17. Million dollars, good player. Next year he's at eighteen million. The year after that, it's a it's a player option. He could opt out and then sign a a max deal with somebody or get twenty five million a year. So a lot of times when a team wants to get off of a player that's young and good with just a year left, it's usually because they don't want to get to the point where they've got to make a decision to pay that guy. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good observation on what is you know in part going on kind of behind the scenes with this one. I, th- I think something else too is if you just look at Toronto's ro- roster and we just saw it a couple of days ago, man. It seems like all they have are three and D wings, right? The whole the whole team outside of Fred Van Vliet is made up of a bunch of six four to six nine guys who all kind of look like the same guy and all kind of do the same thing. They are, I mean, positionless basketball. They've almost got too much of it in Toronto, and so I can see why they'd be you know they need to change the equation a little bit and maybe not have so many guys who do so many of the same things. I, I think you're right though. I think the money has more to do with it than anything because OG. Spe- 
especially with the cap going up, especially with the league revenue going up, he's a guy who's poised a couple years from now to make an absolute killing. Now, that's a problem for another day. For the Suns, I'm thinking about a starting five of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, OG Ananobi, and DeAndre Eaton with Cam Johnson as your sixth man coming off the bench. And I'm thinking that team can do some damage. Damage this summer. The only thing is, and you know this from emails and our conversations on the show. On January, I t- on January 10th, I mentioned that if the Suns were to get OG Ananobi, it would probably cost them a couple of draft picks, some expiring contracts, and a player like Cam Johnson. Coupled three three weeks later, three weeks later, because I know you've got the email thread, and you know we've talked about it on the show, Shams comes up and says Cam Johnson too. So, you know, I mean, that's that's the one thing I start to, you start to think about it. Okay, if the Suns were to get OG Ananobi, I don't know that you just do it with draft pick. Like if the Knicks were offering three, first round picks and they're not going to do that I think they're going to want back a good player I think they're going to need to get back somebody that's a good player because they still got Siakam and if they still have Van Vliet and they got Barnes they're going to want somebody that can add to that mix not a bunch of young draft picks yeah and and look I I said what I said a minute ago I have no idea if the Suns can get OG and Anobi without sacrificing Cam Johnson I don't I I mean it's because I I do remember what you said three weeks ago and I, I know what Sham said. And and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't reporting. He was more speculating. I'll play the sound here for you. The Raptors are taking calls on OG Ananobi. You look at the Knicks, they're willing to give up multiple first-round picks for OG Ananobi. But another team in the last week or so that's emerged is the Phoenix Suns. I think they're a team that ha- they have the assets. Eight first-round draft picks at their disposal between now and 2030. They've got the picks. Uh, they've got players. They've got guys like Cam Johnson. You have expiring contracts like Darius Sarge, Jay Crowder. Can you put together a package for Ojean and Nubi? Uh, could you go get something for a Jay Crowder that can kind of replenish your bench? I think those are really the two pathways right now. So he's speculating. He's listing assets. He's not saying, I've heard this or I've heard that. You've been a little more specific about that than he has. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I just, if there's a way to get it done without Cam Johnson, I think the Suns win healthy despite their current record. I think they vault to near the top of the Western Conference in terms of what they could do with their top six or seven or even eight players if they're available. I do. I, I just I don't know if they can get it done. Then then you get to the offseason and now you've got some decisions to make. What are you gonna do about Chris? What are you gonna do about DeAndre? Are you gonna pay Cam Johnson? Are you gonna pay OG Ananobi? Can you wait on paying OG Ananobi until a year from now when you don't have Chris and Maybe you've done something with DeAndre. I, I I just would love, and maybe I'm dreaming. It's what we do a lot on this show, right? We were dreaming about Sean Payton for three weeks. Um, I just I have a dream of getting OG Ananobi without sacrificing Cam Johnson because that to me is a team that I think can come out of the West. I just don't know if it can happen or not. I don't. I would love to. Like that's what. Like I'm not shooting down OG Ananobi. I've shot down at least. 
12 players <laughs> that it may be more, but 12 to 15 it, players. It feels like more, Gambo. The, 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 yeah. the often, the frequency in which you shoot down players, it feels like it's a hell of a lot more than 12. Yes. Right. And, and, but I, there are players I haven't shot down, right? I mean, I will shoot down Gary Trent Jr., but I'm not going to shoot down OG Ananobi. So I do think you get to a point where there are names that I've, you know, in discussions I've had, well, okay, that, that makes sense. That might be, that's still hard to make a trade, not easy to make a trade, um, but uh, that's a 25-year-old kid, plays great defense, he's long, he's strong, he's got good width, there's a lot to like about him. The negatives are simply, man, he's missed a lot of games. Now, Cam's missed a bunch of games, too. But now, Cam is a much better shooter than him. Like, that's not even close. Like, if you're saying, I want a shooter, Cam is a much better shooter. But OG's a much better defensive player. So, you got to pick your, you know, what do you, what, what do you feel you would want more if this trade discussion comes up? Now, I'm not, I'm, I have no idea whether the Suns could, are going to get OG out of Obi or not, but he's just a guy that I'm not, I'm not ruling him out. Yeah, no, and, and a lot of times, uh, you know, just in my history with you, it's, it's the guys that you don't don't rule out that, you know, I, I remember the very first time the Chris Paul rumor popped up a couple of years ago, and I, I still remember to this day, I, you saying, I'm not ruling that out. I can't rule that out. I, right. I've I've tried. I've called. I've asked around. You know, not that you wanted to rule it out, but that you were just, you were chasing it down. And you would say for weeks, I, I just can't find anybody who tells me that absolutely will not happen. That can't happen. Um, and I do want to say this about Ananobi, too. I mean, no, he is not the he's not the offensive guy that Cam Johnson is with the three-point shot. He ain't bad, right? Like, he's a career 37% shooter from three. He's averaging, you know, recently six shots per game, five shots per game over the last few years when he's with Toronto. He's such a good defender. He and Mikel Bridges on the wings, God, they would just wreak havoc in the NBA playoffs, having two capable defenders like that who both can hit their threes on the other end. It would be be a great addition, uh, just the, the costs and, you know, is it, if you do have to sacrifice Cam Johnson, is it is he enough of an upgrade over Cam to make it worth it, or are you just better off sticking with what you have if it costs you Cam? These are, these are questions, I, I, I think he's a better player than Cam overall. Yeah. I think I'd rather have him than Cam. Is it worth doing that in the middle of the season if he's just a slight upgrade? That's a that's a good question. I think he's better than Cam. I just don't know if I would do it yeah, in the middle of the season if, like that. If you had if you had another wing player along with Mikhail that you felt really that was a big wing defender, then you might say I want to keep Cam, but because you don't have that, you know, you, you, they want to surround Devin Booker with wing players. I'll just tell you that right now. Their their goal is to surround Devin Booker with a lot of wing players. That will ease a lot of the burden off of him and to make and really allow him to be at his best. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Sean Payton and the Arizona Cardinals isn't going to happen. Did it come close? Then he met with the Cardinals and he was blown away by the Cardinals. He said the Cardinals meeting was seven hours long and he loved meeting with them. We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Consolation words to the loser or something else? Then he met with the Cardinals, and he was blown away by the Cardinals. He said the Cardinals meeting was seven hours long, and he loved meeting with them. 
That was Peter Schrager this morning on Good Morning Football. He was part of a larger conversation about Sean Payton going to the Denver Broncos, Gambo. Uh, there, there was not much in there about the Cardinals. There was that. He met with them for seven, eight hours. He was blown away, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I, I don't think that's going to make anybody feel any better. It doesn't make me feel any better. It doesn't, you know, I know you're not disappointed he didn't come here in the first place. So I, you know, I, I, I don't know what to make of that exactly other than it, it, I think it, it's made to make me feel like the Cardinals were in this thing. I just don't know if they really were or not, you know? Yeah, the word I've used is relieved. I'm relieved that the Cardinals didn't have to give up draft capital, which they desperately need. I'm relieved that Monty Ossenfort, the new the new GM, is going to have the opportunity to, to use these draft picks to the best of his ability to change the roster. Now, you know, uh, the, the proof in the pudding, and where I could absolutely be wrong, is in three years, if Sean Payton is coaching the Broncos and they've been in the playoffs two times and Russell Wilson's back to playing at a high level and the Cardinals hired a coach that they've got to fire because over two years he, uh, you know, he, he went 14 and 20 or he went 12 and 20, whatever the record would be, right? 17 games. So if that's the case, then we're going to look back at this and you'll be like, stupid, they should have hired Sean Payton. Yeah. Now, whether he would have chosen the Cardinals over the Broncos, I don't know. Like, we'll never know that. I, I mean, I don't know. Only he would know that. But you would you would think that if the Cardinals do hire a guy that they've ultimately got to fire in the first couple of years, then this you're going to look back on this opportunity to hire Sean Payton and think that you failed. Yeah, and that second thing you said there, I, I, we signed off the show yesterday, and I, I, I spent... I, I, usually I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the show after we do it. I, I was thinking about that when we were done. I, I was thinking specifically about, you know, you're you're relieved, I'm disappointed, um, and, and I don't and what I was thinking about was I don't want that to be misinterpreted that I'm necessarily disappointed in the Cardinals, right? Like there's, there's they should have done more. They should have upped their offer. They should have gone after him harder. They should have, I mean, there's a very, very likely explanation, or at least a possible explanation, that Sean Payton at the end of the day just didn't want the Cardinals as much as he wanted the Broncos, that, that he preferred to go to Denver over the Arizona Cardinals. And, and I don't know this for a fact. I, I, I have no idea how it all went down, but to sit there and just be upset with the Cardinals for not doing enough for getting Sean Payton is only telling half of the story. There's another half of the story to to tell where Sean Payton perhaps looked at it and said, you know what, they're not quite giving me the power that I want there. Or, you know what, I'm not so sure Kyler Murray is a quarterback that I'm going to be able to work with. Or or this, or that. Or, you know what, I just like the Denver job better. I, I, I like our prospects for winning there better. I, I mean, it's not just because the Cardinals didn't get him doesn't necessarily mean it was from a lack of effort. It could very well be that Sean Payton didn't want them. I mean, the worst case scenario is that he was using the Cardinals as leverage to get more money with the Broncos, which is a possibility. That might have happened yesterday. Yeah, but that's I what don't you, know. That's what you want. You want it to be that he decided to go to Denver, because then you feel better about it. Because if you had a chance to get him and you didn't get him, well, now you're going to have hindsight down the road if the guy you hire doesn't work out. I mean, if it comes out that, no, Denver was my first choice. I always wanted to go to Denver. Arizona was like, if Peyton says like, I wasn't going to go to Arizona. Can you feel, I think you could feel better about it knowing that you really didn't have a chance. Right. But if where you'll feel bad is if you did have a chance, you didn't hire him. He does great things and a guy you hire doesn't. Yeah. And we just don't know which one of those things 
it, it's going to be. You know, we, we, we don't. I, I know this. I was watching this morning. I got up early, and I was having my coffee, and I was watching SportsCenter, and Diana Rossini came on. And, you know, she was saying the usual stuff about Sean Payton and why he decided to go to Denver. And then she mentioned, and I, I specifically, I like sat straight up, and I wrote it down when she said it, that the orange tie that he wore on the Fox yeah, pregame show yeah. over the weekend, yeah. she said, oh, that was very deliberate. That was very, and Schrager talked about that this morning, too, on Good Morning Football. That was very deliberate. That was very intentional. That was very purposeful. That was a message being sent, you know, and we, we speculated about that a little bit on Monday. Here's the other thing to talk about, too, and and I, I sent you this tweet I saw today. Okay, get ready for this. This is everything the Denver Broncos gave up to acquire Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. They gave up a 2022 first, a 2022 second, a 2022 fifth, a 2023rd first, a 2023rd second, a 2023rd first, a 2024th second, Noah Font, mm. Shelby Harris, and Drew Locke. All for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. You know, sometimes when you're pot committed, <laughs> you know, you're when you're pot committed, but then sometimes when you're pot committed, it backfires. You remember when the Diamondbacks were pot committed? Mm-hmm. They had gotten Zach Ranke, and they felt like, you know what? We could really use a nice number two guy behind him. They went out and traded Dansby Swanson for Shelby Miller. Yep. They were pot committed because of the Granky contract. They felt like, all right, let's 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 go all in. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Listen, they've got a huge investment in Russell Wilson, just like the Cardinals have a huge investment in Kyler Murray. You know, you, you not only the amount of money that Russell Wilson's getting paid, but what you gave up to get him. So yes, you want to make sure that works. And and Sean Payton is almost like that insurance policy you're taking out to make sure that Russell Wilson works. People can talk all day. Well, oh, it's not going to be a good fit. They'll work it out. Trust me. You got a, a Super Bowl winning coach and a Super Bowl winning quarterback, they'll figure out a way to have a dynamic offense. I don't think that that's an issue. No, I don't either. I, I, I guess to me the difference in in that is that I don't even know if they're the second best team in their own division. You know, behind Kansas City and the LA Chargers. I, I don't even know if they're the fifth best team, sixth best team in their own conference behind the Bills and the Bengals. And and we talked, you know, we talked, we had so, you and I had so many conversations about Sean Payton and the one I kept going back to is, uh, you know, all of those things that you gave up if you're the Broncos to be pot committed, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they'll figure it out. Yeah, if anybody can fix Russell Wilson, it's one of the premier play callers of the last 20, 30 years. I, I get all of that. But is that even going to be enough in the AFC? Is that even going to be enough in the AFC West? Well, you know, what, what, and, what, should, we don't know. What, what should your expectations be if you're a Bronco fan? It should be to win a Super Bowl. Damn right it should be. It shouldn't be to like get to the playoffs. It should and, be to win a Super Bowl. And that's my point, is that even with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's good enough in the AFC to win a Super Bowl. I don't. The quality of quarterbacking, the quality of play in the AFC, I, I, I don't know if it's enough. I really, I, I mean, Russell Wilson, he hasn't won a Super Bowl in eight years. Sean Payton hasn't won a Super Bowl in thirteen years. Right. I, I mean, it's, there's not a lot of recent success when it comes to the, the you know, what are your expectations to win it all? There's, there's, there's not a lot of recent success from either one of those guys in that regard. No, that's true. And then you look at the gauntlet that you've got to go through.
You know, look, Dan Marino played in one Super Bowl. The Dolphins lost to the 49ers, and they never won a, They never got back again. I mean, Jim Kelly never won a Super Bowl. He went to four of them. He didn't win one. Fran Tarkenton. Like, there's a lot of guys that don't win one. Sean Payton, for, you know, for all the six, he's won one Super Bowl. You know, he's been a coach for a long time. He's got the one Super Bowl. I mean, that vaults you to a category that is pretty remarkable to, to win one because a lot of guys haven't. But I do think you look at just that division alone. I mean, with Herbert and Mahomes, and then you look at Allen, and you look at, you know, if Lamar Jackson stays, because I like Lamar, and you look at uh, Trevor Lawrence, who's really good. It, it, it is going to be very difficult. And then the assets, right? You don't have the draft picks to add to your roster because you've lost so many of them. So you almost have to do it with, you know, free agent signings and uh-huh. undrafted free agents and trades and things like that. Because one of the avenues you have to add really good talent to your roster is kind of depleted now with the amount of draft picks they've given up. No doubt about it. Starting next Monday, listen for your name every day to qualify for your chance to win tickets to Super Bowl 57. Text the word SUPER to 620-620. Register. And then once you hear your name, call in within the time frame, and you could be headed to Super Bowl 57. Plus, you'll win tickets to the following events as well. The FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. Again, text SUPER to 620-620. It's Arizona Sports All Access. Presented by Bud Lights and FanDuel. Earlier, we talked with Suns General Manager James Jones. We will bring you his thoughts on the upcoming trade deadline next on the Burns and Gambo Show. They took him right to the rim for a whammo. Suns Day brought to you by Coco 5. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Such a fun song. It is, isn't it? Such a about, fun song, yeah. You know, I was about to play a sound bite. You know, I love Rock and the Kajma. I, I had a feeling you were going to jump mm. in with... This makes you happy. It does. It makes you happy. It's a good song. Lauren, do you know the song? You do? It's a good one. It's a really good This one. is way before your time. How old are you? I'm 24. Yeah, this is way before your time. This is like early 80s, Bernsey? Rock the Casbah. The, the King told the Boogeyman? I would say probably 84, 85. 84, 85, okay. I would guess. Sharif don't like it, man. Sharif does not like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to this song on the way home. Just put it on the loop. You know what? And just because Lauren's only 24 does not mean that <laughs> classic like Rock the Casbah from The Clash does not endure throughout. You know, there's always great songwriters, right? Elton John worked with that great songwriter. and Bernie you know, Toppin. Bernie Toppin. And then Paul Simon was a great you know songwriter. Paul McCartney was a Man, who wrote the lyrics to Rock the Casbah? <laughs> the Sheik drove a Cadillac and then uh, the radiator grill and an electric camel drum and God, like somebody wrote them. Yeah, this is going to be a hit song. Sharif don't like it. Like, man, whoever wrote that song, I, 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 I don't know. I, I mean, I, I know that you know Joe Strummer was like the main guy in the Clash, one of the main guys in the Clash. Mick Jones was in the. You know, I, I don't know who wrote it though. It, yeah, it, it's a great. It's a very enduring song. There's no doubt. It, it I, I did this. I'm sitting here at home doing the show. I'm in my walk-in closet, and when the first few chords played, it, I got to admit, it just put a smile on my face. Yep, yep. You know? It's, it's like, ah, that's, that's a really good song. That's a really, really good 
song. All right. So it has absolutely nothing to do with anything that we're talking about in this segment. There's no there's no tie-in with the music at all. But we did have James Jones on the show earlier, the general manager of the Suns. And admittedly, we're all – one week from tomorrow is going to be a really big day. And it's going to be one of those you're just going to wake up in the morning and it's going to be, okay, what do we got? What are we going to do? How's this going to work? Is it going to be something as basic and as simple as a Jay Crowder trade and just a Jay Crowder trade? Or is it going to be an on-the-fly reimagining of the Phoenix Suns as we know it by bringing in a significant piece? I don't know. But I know what he told us earlier. When you asked him if Jay Crowder is going to be traded before the deadline, James Jones said... That's the goal. Um, and and I, I, I know that question will be asked, and I answer at the same time every time. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yes. <laughs> it's, the, it's the goal. It, that's not a yes. That's not a, oh, yeah, for sure, he's gone. The goal is to have him gone. I do wonder what happens if they don't move him. Oh well, then you—I mean, at that point, then you—you got to buy. You just got to buy him out. That's going to be a free agent. I mean, and yeah, because you can't. James isn't going to be spiteful and be like, okay, well, you know, everything you—we're not going to let you play. Like, you're going to hold on to him for as long as you can. You're going to try and make a trade, and uh, if you're not able to make a trade, then he's going to be a free agent, able to go wherever he wants. They're not going to hold him to the contract. They're not going to say you have to play, and it's certainly not going to tell the guy that, okay, you know, we're not going to send you anywhere. But um, I would think that's what would happen, you know, because. Uh, but you, you can't, I can't imagine they don't make a deal. It just might end up being a, if if he's not involved in a bigger deal, like say for an OG Ananobi or somebody like that, and it's just a Jay Crowder on his own deal. You've seen what they're getting. It's it's probably something like the Jordan Nawawa from Milwaukee. You're not getting anything. A couple second round picks. You're not getting a good player back for him. No, you're. And look, I'm just playing devil's advocate when I ask. I. I don't expect the Suns to not trade Jay Crowder. It's 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 just more of a what happens if kind of thing. What what happens if they just get to it and they say it's just there's no point. We're just not going to get anything we want in exchange. I don't think it's going to come down that way. It's just more of a kind of thought experiment. As far as other deals, James Jones on whether there'll be more than one trade involving the Suns. I couldn't tell you. Uh, I can I can tell you after we do. <laughs> okay, that's that's some serious hindsight right there. What about what they're looking for in a trade or a trade package? You know, so we can use forward help. Uh, we can use scoring. Um, we can always use more, you know, interior defense. So, but we'll we'll see what shakes out over the next week. I expect I expect some interesting names to be flown around. I expect a lot of uh, players to come into to focus, and we'll just see what we can get done. The, the the biggest question I have, and and I know you know what James would have said if we had asked him, and maybe you had asked him it, was, is there is there a belief that what you've got is enough? You know, that if, okay, you make a Jake Crowder trade, okay, fine, trade Jake Crowder. But if you don't do anything else, do you have enough? Because you've, you, your guys have all been hurt, they haven't all played. When they did play together, they were playing very well, albeit over a short sample size. You know, the, James, historically, Gambo doesn't do a whole lot at the trade deadline. It's never been his thing. Does he approach it differently this year because they haven't won at all, or does he feel like he cannot do anything and they'll be okay? That's that to me is as it relates to next week. Yeah, the big question for the Suns. It really comes down to it. Really comes down to window one or window two. 
What are, what are you sacrificing out of window two to help window one? Are you sacrificing multiple first round draft picks? Can you can you make a deal that not only helps window one but helps window two? Because that would be an OG Ananobi. OG Ananobi is I can help you right now and then I can help you next year and the year after and the year after that. So that would be a a, a move that helps both windows. If you're looking for, a, okay, Bogdanovich, that's a window one deal. What are you giving up to get a guy that's an older player that's just going to come in and be able to help you this year? You know, I would tend to think that that if he does make a deal, it's more of a deal that helps both windows than a deal that just helps the current window, unless it's a small minor deal. Because I don't think he's given up multiple first-round draft picks or even one first-round draft pick for just a guy that's going to come in here and be a rental player. I think that's well said. I I, I agree. I think that... I, I don't think James... I know he hasn't done a lot at the trade deadline. I don't think James won't trade a first-round pick this trade deadline. I think he'll only do it, though, for a player that he knows is going to be around next year, for, for a player that's not just here for two months. I, 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 I just don't think for him the value... And it's just a guess. I, I think for him, the value there isn't what he would want it to be. So I, I, I agree. And, and I think what you're saying is you're on the path to how this thing is going to go down. I, I just, I also think that, that even when healthy, and I, I guess this is what, you know, I would want for the Phoenix Suns is that even when all of those guys are healthy and even when the, they were all playing so well before they all got hurt at the beginning of the season, we have found that the Phoenix Suns, their very healthiest at their very best, while very, very good, they were not good enough to win a championship. They weren't. They weren't in 2021. They weren't last year in 2022. And, and so as much as we can sit here and say, uh, when they get healthy and when they get this guy back and when they get that guy back, yeah, they're going to be really, really good. Are they going to be a championship team? Are they good enough to win it all? Because they haven't been. They haven't been for the last two years. As much as it pains me to say that, they have fallen short, ultimately, of the prize. And I just hope that the trade deadline is looked at by James with an eye towards that. You know, yeah, we're good. We're really good, but we haven't been good enough, and let's make ourselves good enough, or at least give ourselves a shot to go win a championship this year, because our best hasn't been good enough the last two years. Who in the West scares you? That has to be taken into consideration. The standings in the West and the fact that there's nobody that really scares you has to be something you think about. I mean, do you, can you, do you think you can't get by... The, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Kings, the Clippers, the Mavs, the Warriors, the Nuggets. I, the Nuggets have been really good. Like, they had the, they had the best team in the West. Do you think you can't get by them? Yeah, but I would also counter that by saying if your goal truly is championship or bust, I mean, if that's really what we're talking about here, I don't think you can just look at the West. I think you have to look at whatever team you could potentially be paying, playing in the East and ask yourself, are you good enough to beat them? Because that's, that's really what we're talking about here, isn't it? We're not saying Western Conference championship or bust. We're saying championship or bust. Are you good enough to go beat the Boston Celtics in a best-of-seven series? Are you good enough to beat the Bucks in a best-of-seven series? Isn't that the question we should really be asking ourselves about the Suns? Uh, maybe, but then you know there's always, you know, what if... 
What if there's an injury? What if something happens to the best team in the East or through the course of 28 playoff games? You know, it's you just don't know. It's why you try to set yourself up. I think you first look at can I can I get out of the West? Can I get to the end? You get to the NBA Finals and and and, and Giannis or Tatum or somebody rolls their ankle and they're out. So you just don't know. I think I I understand what you're saying because the answer would be no. You're not good. In, you're probably not good enough to win the championship based on how good some of those other teams are. But I think the first thought has to be, am I good enough to win the West? Yeah. James Jones was not the only guest we had on today. It was a big day for ASU football. Dilly dilly. We'll take you through the best of what head coach Kenny Dillingham had to say with us earlier. Rock the cash bar. Big time. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? It's a late one tonight, 8 o'clock tip time, but the Suns are taking on the Atlanta Hawks. Devin Booker, who uh, has already been ruled out for tonight's game, did tweet earlier today that he is, in his words, rounding third, which only implies that he is very, very, very close to coming back to the Suns, but it's not going to be tonight. The next game for the Suns after tonight is the start of a five-game road trip at Boston on Friday. Who knows, Gambo? Maybe he's waiting to make his return so he can play the team that he wants to play. Time drop seventy on. I'm still going to say no. I'm going to. St- I think from this point forward, I think you're looking at five days to ramp up. From what I've been told, so I think this could go early into next week. I wouldn't think Friday, maybe Saturday, but then I start looking at the games that come in early next week. And just because you know, I think he wants to be back. He he wanted to be back right now, but I think they've got a plan for him that he's going to have to follow. All right, so it's Friday at Boston, Saturday. Saturday at Detroit, then they don't play again until Tuesday when they're at Brooklyn. So that's it's a five-game road trip. Boston, Detroit, Brooklyn on Tuesday, Atlanta next Thursday, Indiana on the second night of a back-to-back on Friday, and then they're home after that. That's the next five games after tonight, all on a big East Coast road swing that the team is dealing with. Uh, also, tonight, Saban Lee, welcome back to the Corona del Sol Aztec. He was uh, after going through two separate 10-day contracts and playing very well during both of them, the Suns made, uh, really on the surface, not a surprising move, but still, I, I mean, I guess a little surprising, only in that Dwayne Washington had been on the roster all year long. Clearly, James Jones very happy with what Saban Lee did no because question. they cut Dwayne Washington and they signed Saban Lee to a two-way contract. Today. He was fantastic for him, And they, you know, they clearly couldn't keep both guys. They've got to look at the possibility that they're going to make a trade where they bring in two or three players for one or two and have the roster spot available. So letting go of Dwayne and putting Saban on the two-way contract gives them the flexibility they need. You know, if they do make one of those trades, it's not a one-for-one trade. So that was important. But I think it really just came down to that they really liked what Saban Lee brought to the table, and that ended up costing Dwayne Washington. Big day for ASU football today. Dilly dilly! Yeah, Kenny Dillingham with his four-star quarterback Jaden Rashada and by the way it's been made official now earlier we had Kenny Dillingham on our show and he wasn't quite allowed to speak about the four-star quarterback from California coming into his program because they hadn't received the facts yet the Sun Devil Twitter account has officially now said he's in the fold he's signed he's sealed he's delivered what an enormous get for Kenny Dillingham what 60 days after he got the gig has he even been on the job for 60 days at this point November twenty seventh, because I remember because he, he was my birthday. It was my birthday. 
Okay. It was my birthday, I think. So just a shade over 60 days. Today's February 1st, so just a shade over 60 days ago, he was hired as the head coach, and he's taken now a recruiting class that was 46th in the country, and just by adding this one guy, the second best, highest ranked dual threat quarterback in the country, just by adding him, they jumped from 46 to 27 in the national rankings, according to at least one service. That's what ASU has done. Yeah, that's incredible. And that quarterback room, not only Trenton Bourget, the Notre Dame kid, the BYU kid, talented players, talented kid, not as good as this kid. This kid's the number two, two dual threat quarterback in the country, six overall. He's going to be your starter. Um, but now you look at these other kids, probably came here, thought they had an opportunity to play, and it's going to be a battle just to be the backup between the uh, Pine, the Notre Dame kid, Conover, the BYU kid, and then Trenton Bourget, who was terrific for ASU at times last year. So I, I wonder if somebody else will transfer out because that's four quarterbacks that you have that are capable of playing at this level. Yeah, he is a four-star guy. He's the number four overall recruit from the state of California. He is the fourth highest rated quarterback to ever commit to ASU in, and I'm reading off of SunDevilSource.com here, in the 24-7 sports era behind only Jaden Daniels, Brady White, and Andrew Walter. Now, you talked about the quarterbacks that he's kind of competing with when Kenny Dillingham was on with us earlier, he talked about everything being a competition. I mean, everything's about competition. And uh, I tell every person that it doesn't matter if you're a three-year starter or if uh, you're a true, a true freshman or a transfer. It's about competition. And if you truly want to be great, you better surround yourself with people that can push you to your limits. If you want to be comfortable, if you want to buy, if you want to be quote unquote the man all the time, you're going to get complacent. It's my job as a coach to create a structure that challenges you and pushes you to your limit while at the same time you're comfortable enough to flourish. And there's a fine line there. Hmm. Yeah, I I that's exactly what it's about. Competition. I mean, I I checked on this today and it was told simply that they didn't promise them anything. Just an opportunity like everybody else was promising this, this, and this, and they went the opposite approach. Look, you know, be a part of something special. Kenny's pushing that a lot. Like, be a part of something special. Be that kid that decides to stay home at Arizona and, and, and helps this program, you know, reach the pinnacle. Be the guy that helps them go to the Rose Bowl. Be the guy that helps them win a conference championship. Be the guy that helps them get put on national TV in big games. Be that guy. Be that player. And I think here... Uh, it was really Rashad. It's a, it was about like, hey, I can't promise you the money that uh, I can promise you that you're going to get a chance to play for a program and we're going to be dedicated and committed and we're going to do what it takes. We even talked about the kid that got the parking ticket. One of the things that he said, and this was funny, but you know, but the guys kind of talked about like, you know, we don't have anywhere to park. And, okay, it's something I'm going to take care of. So he did. Not his ability for the players to park places. They just have to fill out a form and one of the kids didn't and he had a he had a couple of boots on his car and he tweeted out and Dillingham was like, hey, if you just filled out the form, it would have been taken care of. <laughs> yeah, it's um, he's Kenny Dillingham is a breath of fresh air for a program that really, really needed a breath of fresh air. Now, obviously, we got to see what happens in the fall, and, and we got to see some 
we, I mean, recruiting, how often, Gambo, if you and I got excited about this recruiting class or that recruiting class or this guy or that guy, I mean, hell, even Jaden Daniels was a guy we're like, okay, there he is. That's that's the guy. That's the future. That's ASU football right there. And we all know how that ended. So there, there's a caution to this when moving forward about understanding it's really all about the fall and what happens. But I did, you know, one part about the story that I really was intrigued by, and it was from Chris Cartman over at Sun Devil Source, who pointed out that part of the reason why Rashada was even available was because he had an NIL deal at Florida and it fell apart, and that he chose ASU not because of the product of any NIL arrangement. He just felt like that was the place he wanted to go. This isn't, you know, he became available because he had like a $13 million NIL deal with Florida that fell apart. That's not what he chose ASU for. That That's not what this was about, and I'm, I'm intrigued by that because Kenny Dillingham with Florida State, Oregon, now with ASU, has been chasing this guy a long time. He's been recruiting him. I can't wait to see what he does. Can't wait. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a great get for Arizona State. And, you know, now you start to think, you know, is that the kid that's going to make, if he's that good or other kids want to going to want to come play with him? You know, if he's that good, he's going to be here for a few years. Is that the type of kid that other players around the country, I want to go play with him because that's one of the best quarterbacks out there. So I think that's something to look at, too, because that's the type of kid that might draw other players to the program. Yeah, potentially it, it, it might. And look, the whole thing is going to look so different next year. You have, what, 26 transfer players coming in. You have another 20 different recruits coming in here. I mean, it's just a fresh coat of paint from top to bottom for ASU football. How all those parts fit together, I don't know, but I know Kenny Dillingham. Nobody nobody thought they were going to be this excited this soon about ASU football. That's all we heard about for the last 60 days was it's going to be a process. It seems like the process has been accelerated a little bit. That's going to do it for us. We are out of here. We'll see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Oh